KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu. Good morning. I'm Annika Colbert. It's Thursday, June 3rd. Some migrant families are finally starting their new chapter in the U.S. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. San Diego County's latest coronavirus numbers are good enough that if the adjusted case rate stays where it's at for the next two weeks, we could move into the state's least restrictive yellow COVID-19 tier. However, that's a bit of a moot point because the state's tier system will be retired on June 15th. In the meantime, the county's focus continues to be on getting as many people vaccinated as possible via mobile neighborhood pop-up sites. A measure that would have dramatically changed the solar marketplace in California was defeated by 15 votes in the state assembly on Wednesday. It would have added a flat charge to homes with solar panels and it would slash the rate that utilities pay for solar generated energy. The proposal was authored by San Diego Assembly member Lorena Gonzalez, who says the state's current solar policies burden low income black and brown communities. Most Californians continue to favor stricter gun laws. That's according to the latest poll from the Public Policy Institute of California. It found 63% favor stricter policies, about 20% thinks things should stay as they are, and 16% think they should be less strict. PPIC says these sorts of results have been consistent since 2015. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu. Some refugees who have been waiting for months in desperate conditions in Mexico, hoping to get into the United States, are finally starting to see their dreams come true. The Biden administration has been allowing more asylum seekers through, and KPBS's Max Rivlin Nadler joined one Honduran family as they began their new journey. It's early March at the migrant encampment in El Chaparral Plaza in Tijuana. There, hundreds of asylum seekers are looking for information, any sign that they'll be allowed into the U.S. under the new Biden administration. Brayden Lainez is one of those asylum seekers. He has his six-month-old son strapped to his chest. He and his partner have been waiting in Mexico for a year and a half to declare asylum in the U.S., fleeing as Honduras deteriorates amidst political violence and social instability. Lainas pulls a flag he's carrying with him out of a backpack. It's a Biden for President flag, and Lainas waves it in front of him. To him, it represents a new chance, a possible reversal of fortune after a brutal few years. Sitting in Mission Bay Park in San Diego this past Tuesday, Lainas cheers up thinking about what his family has had to go through to get here. His son is now nine months old and on the verge of walking. He said he had plans just to give up, 
He had come so far already, just to be stopped at the border for so long. Laina shows off scars on his arm from a machete attack in Honduras, which he says was politically motivated. Laina said he thought he was going to be killed in the attack, but God must have put a guardian angel in his path, one who defended him, because he has no idea how he was able to escape. He left the country with his clothes still wet. His mother had just done laundry. That escape led them to Mexico, but then Lainez and his partner, Yuri Serrazo, encountered a Trump-era policy known as Title 42, which has put a near-total halt to the processing of all asylum seekers at the border. In recent weeks, an agreement hammered out by the Biden administration and the American Civil Liberties Union has allowed vulnerable asylum seekers to enter the United States. Arazo describes just how bad things were in the migrant encampment, where they moved to after a year already spent in shelters in Tijuana. It was all very difficult, she said. The children cried from the cold. They gave us blankets. It was very sad. But we triumphed. And here we are, thank God. They got help from the group El Otro Lado, which has assisted thousands of vulnerable asylum seekers in Tijuana. After crossing the border last week, they stayed in a hotel room paid for by the state until travel could be arranged. On Tuesday, Eitan Peled from the Jewish Family Service of San Diego helped the family get ready to move to New York, where their sponsor awaits. The group helped more than 3,600 migrants entering the U.S. during the month of May. He showed the young family how to navigate San Diego International Airport. It's, we're really excited that, that, we're, that we're seeing arrivals again, and we're seeing the arrivals in the numbers that we are, because we know these are all people that are really in, in desperate need of help. And when, I think what we're doing is, is showing that we can both protect public health and afford folks the access, or the right to seek asylum. Laina says he got comments about the flag he flew with the president's name on it. He says people tried to insult him, bring him down, but he was holding on to it, not out of support for a politician, but because it gave him hope of someday getting into the U.S. On Tuesday, Lainez, Arazo, and their son walked down the jetway to a plane. They'll face years of uncertainty about their status in the U.S. But for the first time in two years, their lives were no longer in immediate danger. And that was KPBS's Max Rivlin Nadler. The city of San Diego is getting ready to update its park's master plan for the first time in 65 years. KPBS's Melissa May reports on the Parks for All of Us initiative. The new initiative is based on years of public feedback, and Mayor Todd Gloria says it delivers a firm commitment to equity. The goal is to provide a more equitable, accessible, and high-quality park system for all, by giving parks to neighborhoods that don't have any, upgrades to ones that need upgrading, and expanding and improving existing parks. The current plan no longer meets the needs of a 21st century city, and what we're proposing is a new plan uh, that envisions the creation of 100 new acres of park space over the next 10 years, coupled with a dramatic increase in equi equitable financing in neighborhoods. The old park standard was based on acreage. For every 1,000 residents, 2.8 acres was allotted to community and neighborhood parks. 
parks. The new park's master plan transitions to a recreational value-based standard, which promotes physical activity and creating a safe, active space for the community. Glory's initiative calls on the city council to establish a citywide impact fee paid by housing developers that will allow the city to fund park projects. This particular park was a hard-fought victory for this community. Obviously, this is a dense neighborhood with a lot of housing, and so this is a very important part of the neighborhood quality of life here. That park is the Whiteman Street Neighborhood Park in City Heights. City Heights resident Josephine Ariano and her family enjoy the park on a daily basis. It means everything to my kids. They love coming to the park every day. They, they're here constantly. They, they enjoy running, playing, riding their bike. Ariano says the park provides a safe space for this community. We do need the help to get the park cleaned up for our kids. Currently, the city owns and maintains more than 42,000 acres of park assets across 54 communities. The plan is expected to go before the city council this summer. And that was KPBS's Melissa May. A conservation group is planting more than 30,000 milkweed plants throughout California in hopes of giving the western monarch butterflies new places to breed. The western monarch population is experiencing a pretty rapid decline. Claire Pavelka is a restoration biologist working with the group River Partners in the San Joaquin Valley. She says milkweed plants are critical because the orange and black butterflies lay their eggs on them. It grows along rivers a lot of times, but that's also where a lot of agriculture and housing development takes place, so it's a little difficult sometimes to protect that habitat. She says an annual count recorded fewer than 2,000 of the butterflies left. That's a 99% decline since the 1980s, where there were estimated to be 4.5 million butterflies. Coming up, San Diego is in the process of rolling out a new recycling system. We'll have that story and what it means for you starting next year, just after the break. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year, we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, We've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com.
Some things have flown under the radar as we've all focused on COVID-19 this past year. One of them has to do with a change in recycling systems in California. In January, a state mandate kicks in that says food waste will now have to be combined with yard waste and placed in new green bins. The content of the green bins will be processed and turned into compost. This new recycling system will cost San Diego a bundle. Ken Prue is the city of San Diego's recycling program manager. He spoke with KPBS Midday Edition host Maureen Cavanaugh. Here's that interview. Now, what exactly what types of waste will need to be recycled when this new law goes into effect? When the new requirements from SB 1383 take effect in January 2022, basically all generators, so whether it's single-family residents, multifamily residents, or businesses or other uh, commercial entities basically will have to recycle all of their blue bin materials, which is largely the case now, but specifically they will all have to recycle organic materials. And it includes materials such as yard trimmings and untreated uh, wood waste, as well as food scraps and food soiled paper and uh, other, other similar items. And why is the state mandating this additional waste recycling? It's to divert organic materials from landfills, and it's it's largely because those materials generate significant about amounts of methane as they decompose in a landfill setting. And so it, it's diverting that material, one, to reduce the emissions, but also to create valuable and needed uh, materials or products that can help benefit the soil and just the overall environment. And in our region, how do you expect this change will affect capacity at San Diego's landfills? Well, it'll definitely help because it, it in diverting materials from the landfill, it really extends the capacity of the landfill. So uh, that, that, that will help. And it will also help us in reaching our zero waste plan and climate action plan goals. Now, the city will compost the waste at Miramar Greenery. Will the capacity of the greenery need to be increased? We we have capacity and we'll be doing some modifications to our facility. The main material that we will receive in, in this setting will be from the, the waste that we collect from the, the city service residences. And uh, there will also be other privately operated facilities, both existing and also new facilities coming online that will process a lot of the material from businesses and condo complexes and and, uh, entities like that. One of the hurdles in complying with this new state law is that most single family residences don't have a green bin currently. So how are they going to get one? Well, that, that's something we're going through the planning stages now, but the, the state law, the new, new law requires that all generators will have to have containers. So for those homes that are serviced by the city of San Diego, we will have to provide those uh, green containers and as well as uh, collecting that material. And, and actually it will need to be collected weekly. So uh, currently about two thirds of the homes have service, many of which provide their own old style trash can to use for their yard trimmings. So we'll actually have to convert the program to weekly. We'll have to get the, the automated carts, the green carts. And then we will also actually have to add the, the food scrap materials to the program. So then they'll be able to put their, their yard trimmings, their wood waste, and their food scraps all in one bin. And that'll get serviced weekly. This is a tremendous increase in resources that the city is going to have to dedicate to recycling. Tell us more about that. What What are you going to have to add? For the city service residents, we will have to be doing uh, a lot of procurement, both of the existing containers as well as uh, purchasing a number of additional collection trucks. We also have to hire a significant number of staff 
And we also have to upgrade facilities, both for the, the fueling system for the uh, compressed natural gas uh, to fill the trucks, but also things like locker rooms and you know, just some of the basic infrastructure, kind of the behind the scenes stuff. And, and then we also have to do a substantial effort, both for the city service customers, as well as across the board, a lot of education and outreach, and also coordination and regulation of our franchise haulers that, that service the multifamily complexes and businesses. And there's a lot of reporting requirements. It's, it's a huge, huge undertaking and a huge, huge uh, responsibility, or even you could consider it a burden placed on, on the jurisdictions. How much is this going to cost the city? It's uh, it's uh, it's going to be significant, and it's something that we're still undergoing the planning phases. So I, I don't have a, a dollar amount off off the tip of my tongue. The city, I believe, spends about thirty four million dollars on trash service now. So what are we talking? Millions more? Well, the the thirty four million dollars or so that is just for the the black bin collection, the refuse collection. Then there's also money currently spent on the the recycling collection. So for the blue bins and the yard trimmings collections, and, and then there'll be a significant add with having to purchase all of these automated containers and a number of uh, new collection packer trucks and, and the staff. And it's definitely uh, in the millions of dollars uh, that, that will be uh, required to meet these uh, requirements. With this huge additional cost for waste recycling and waste pickup in the city, could this be the final straw that may end free garbage pickup for single-family homes in San Diego? This is that would be referring to the People's Ordinance of 1919, and that that's something that would require a, a vote, and so that's something that could not be just decided at at the staff or at the at the city level per se of, of say the city council. It, it's something that currently with with implementing these requirements. The uh, they're becoming a general fund cost, and so that's it definitely is, these new funding considerations are something that are not taken lightly. So people will now be asked to put food waste with their yard waste in these new green bins. What kind of outreach does the city plan to do this? Because the city is so large, it, it will be a phased expansion. And so what we'll be doing is we'll be reaching out to residents as the service will be expanded into their area. And they'll be mailing. We'll also be doing outreach on social media and various platforms, basically to let them know the service is coming and to help them understand uh, what the new requirements will be and uh, basically how to participate and, and really you know, present it in a way that it'll be easy to do and something people can easily get used to. What, one thing that we will offer is uh, what's what's known as a kitchen pail. And basically it would be a, a pail that you... Uh, could put your food scraps in and use it to store the food scraps in your kitchen, say under your sink or even in your freezer, then take that out to your collection container before you put it out at the curb. And so it's something where it'll make it convenient and also it'll have nice graphics on it to help people understand the types of materials they can put in the container. Yeah, we really want to convey to people to, that it's as easy as possible to, to do and get used to. Now, state law requires that this becomes effective January 1st, and there are large fines for not complying by then. Is the city in danger of facing those fines? The, the city takes the implementation of these new requirements very seriously. 
And we're working very closely with CalRecycle, the agency that, that regulates us on, this, on these matters, and explaining to them uh, where we're at with our implementation. And we're, we're doing everything that we can to, to implement in time. Uh, we know that we will not be able to have everything 100% rolled out by January 1 of 2022. And it's, it's in part uh, with the timing of the administrative regulations, the implementation regulations for this law, only getting finalized uh, in uh, last December, early January. So originally they intended to have about three years of planning for jurisdictions and with COVID and, and everything else, it, it took longer. So we really have uh, a very short lead time. And so, so say we had just under a year really to roll it out, but at the same time, collection trucks take generally about 18 months to get. So we basically are explaining where we're at and, and showing that we're doing everything we, we physically are able to and taking it seriously. And uh, CalRecycle has been very receptive and responsive to our, our, our situation and, and what, we're, what we're doing. And that was Ken Prue, the city of San Diego's recycling program manager, who was talking about a plan to recycle food waste. He was speaking with KPBS Midday Edition host, Maureen Kavanaugh. And that's it for the podcast today. Be sure to catch KPBS Midday Edition at noon on KPBS Radio or check out the Midday Edition podcast. You can also watch KPBS Evening Edition at 5 o'clock on KPBS Television. And as always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Annika Colbert. Thanks for listening and have a great day. KPBS On Demand is supported by Arizona Raft Adventures, a third-generation family-owned outfitter providing experiential multi-day Colorado River rafting adventures through the Grand Canyon. Hiking, exploration, education, and fun. Only a seven-hour drive from San Diego. Learn more at azraft.com.